So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Benders alike, welcome to Braving the Elements Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatar Verse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. Varney, how awesome was our conversation with Jennifer Hale last week? Come on! I mean, we're doing Jennifer Hale. I know. Shout out to Jen Hale. We're doing a pretty good job at collecting the avatars on our show. That's true. Actually, we've had, yeah, we've had Zach, uh, who plays Aang. We've had James Garrett, who plays Roku. We've had Jen, who plays Kyoshi. Oh, my gosh. I'm in the we have you. Hunter. I happen to also be here, coincidentally. And No, but it's true. We're doing, we got a pretty good track record for Avatars. Not bad, buddy. Not bad. I know. And then this week, we're diving into episode 16 of book one, The Deserter, which is an awesome episode directed by the wonderful Lauren McMullen and written by Tim Hendrick. And here's the thing. I've known Tim for years, okay, because Tim was someone that Mike and Brian trusted to send into some of our Korra recordings. So he's really one of the first writers other than Mike and Brian that I really got some kind of QT with. So we figured, why not do something we have yet to do on this show? Which is, have the writer of this very episode join us to do the recap. What? Please welcome Tim Hedrick. What's up? Tim, welcome. Tim Hedrick. What took you so long? <laughs> I mean, you want a recap? You got to call a writer. It was a long wind up to this. Is it weird though to like look back and recapping a thing almost as if you're on the outside, but like also having been the one who put the words together for the group? Right. Do you remember any of this stuff, Tim? Tim, do you have any recollection <laughs> of anything in this we're, we're talking about right now? Listen, I rewatched this episode and was like, oh, yeah, there was a lot of that. It's been a long time since we did this. So, yeah, there's there's much that's brought back to my memories from all this stuff. So I have to say it's a beautifully written episode because we have this character of Zhang Zhang who says some very well spoken things and they had to come from somewhere finally like a firebender with some positive attributes to what he's doing we're we're not all bad guys tim in the fire nation look we're all just people you know we're all just people we're at a little fire nation festival you see all these normal fire nation people walking around just being cute kids puppets are you kidding me not everybody's out here genociding other places yeah snacks no, we have snacks and masks. We're just having a good time. That's right. Snacks and masks, everybody. Snacks and masks. <laughs> Tim, let's talk about you for a little bit before we jump into this recap. I mean, for one thing, as I said, you and I met on Cora. So you had already been with the Avatarverse and been in the Avatar family for many years prior to that. And you continue to be part of the Avatarverse group of creators. Yeah, they haven't kicked talk me out us. yet. We'll see how this podcast goes. This might be the end. (laughs) (laughs) So you worked on Avatar. Where did you come from before Avatar? What kind of uh, stuff had you been doing? I knew all of the writers 
Aaron E. Haas, John O'Brien, Nick Malice, James Egan. I had done sketch comedy with them. So they were all comedy writers oh, wow. first. And so was I. So I had known those guys through that angle. They had done like 13 episodes and then they didn't know if they were going to get picked up for more. And when they did, there was some kind of a changeover. Some of the people had left and they needed someone to come in and pitch some hot new ideas. So yeah, they called me up. James called me and I came in and I think I pitched 10 ideas when I first came in. Oh, wow. And one of them was this one, The Deserter, which was just like, let's do Apocalypse Now. Tim, the way you're describing it, it does kind of sound like you were pitching more of the like the one-off storylines rather than a more serialized arc. Is, is that fair to say? Nickelodeon didn't like the super serialized storytelling in the beginning. They really wanted it to be more kind of one at a time so they could mix them up. And when they re ran them, they would rerun them out of order. We touched on that a little bit with, uh, with I think, actually, John O'Brien. He mentioned this out-of-orderness, like the desire with Kids Network especially to have those perennial episodes that can exist on their own, and you can just see what's on, it happens to be on, you stick with it. And yeah, it sounds like they did try to experiment with that. And people would complain when we had our filler episodes, right? May I say the Great Divide? Why isn't Zuko there hunting them down? Why aren't things, like, moving on, you know? Well, it's like... Uh, what, what did we learn? But I think that you get a lot out of that. I always like the filler episodes. We can't even call them filler episodes. I don't digest them that way, so I don't think of them that way. I learned something. New. It's the Avatar. It's something new to learn. Look, when you're making a delicious sausage. <laughs> yes. Please continue. You gotta have the rice and the spice. It's not all meat, you know? That's, uh, that's how you make a good sausage. Yeah. Great comparison. Please, everyone, feel free to use that metaphor as much as you want to or need to. Let's get back to Avatar. Any, before we jump in to the recap, any favorite characters, any favorite episodes, any, like, things that you remember as being like, I was especially proud of that. This, in the in season one, I was figuring it out. I didn't really know. They'd already done a bunch when I came in. I feel like in season two, I got better about knowing what was going on. So my season two stuff... I, I, those are the favorite ones that I did. When we went to Bossing Say, like those episodes, I thought were really good. Toph. Were there any ideas that you came up that you pitched that didn't make it into canon that you were like, oh, it would have been fun to kind of explore that? There was this one. There was Bato. That was an idea that I pitched. And Bato, then the also in the Bato episode was the Sheer Shoe. That was another idea that I pitched. You pitched the oh sheer shoe? Oh my gosh, the sheer yeah, shoe. That's yeah. big stuff. Did you pick the kind of animals it got mixed with? The hybridness of the animals? or? No, I think it was the mole that, well, you know what? It wasn't. When I pitched it, it was an Australian guy that was the hunter, and his right. name was Ripper. I remember that. So, so. Were you inspired by Boba Fett? Uh, absolutely, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Every, every day I'm inspired by Boba, <laughs> Boba Fett. Well, let's get into this recap. Let's talk about The Deserter. Again, I think a fantastic episode gets into some pretty deep stuff that that I really love. I know Dante does, too. Yeah, of course. Do you want to take it? Team Avatar heads into a Fire Nation village for a festival and are saved from danger by a man named Che, who eventually leads them to meet a Fire Nation army deserter named Zhong Zhong. Will Zhong Zhong become Aang's firebending teacher? Will Admiral Zhao, still on the hunt to capture the Avatar, track them down to Zhang Zhang's encampment? And how will Aang do as a firebending student? And what powers will Katara discover that she has inside herself? So 
a lot of stuff going on here and a lot of kind of big, big picture questions. And you said it. You said, like, let's get into the heart of darkness. Let's do Apocalypse Now, right, Tim, when you pitched it. How do you pitch to a Nickelodeon show, hey, y'all, this is for kids. You know Apocalypse Now, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think that was kind of my role on the show was pitching inappropriate storylines for kids. (laughs) I had this one, the cactus juice. That was you? You're the oh cactus my God. juice guy. I can't believe you're cactus juice guy. Uh, yeah. This is huge. That is so cool. Time is an illusion, so is death. That was the line in one of my episodes. It's all you know, completely inappropriate for children. But it's not because it turns out that this is a show that everyone of all ages loves. And so having some of that more intense cerebral stuff that maybe it's getting in in a deeper way to young people, but also it's okay if it's not like some of, a, of the best stuff that exists and has longevity is like there's multi levels for people of all maturities to sink their teeth into. As Dante mentioned, we have Katara who's finding out something very important and wonderful about herself and acts as a really nice juxtaposition, the sort of yin and yang of this very fire heavy story and then what her waterbending ability brings in terms of, of healing and stuff. Let's jump in. Dante, start us off. What's going on in this Let's in this episode? Go. So we are in the Fire Nation. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> what do you pause, pause pause for applause like, yeah. oh the fire nation i just want to be happy nation. we finally get to the fire nation tim can we Fair finally enough. get to the fire nation yeah i mean these yeah. guys are going everywhere can we see some good old fire nation folk every now and then i love what you're saying my friend but just wanted to make sure you know we are still in the earth kingdom and that this is a fire nation colony you get it absolutely let's go up the river and into the jungle yeah we start on momo in the foreground but he flits away, revealing a shadowy figure in the forest behind him, who then also darts away, accompanied by a nice musical flourish from Jeremy Zuckerman. Momo takes us to Aang, Katara, and Sokka, who've just found a kiosk they hope that will give us info about what's going on around here. But Aang is excited by the Fire Days Festival poster, but Sokka draws her attention to a wanted poster with Aang on it. And so Katara and Sokka want to avoid the festival and stay safe. But Aang convinces Katara, who says they'll just disguise Aang. Sokka's grumpy about the whole thing. As he walks away, we have a close-up with another wanted poster. This one is with a man with white hair and two scars on the right side of his face. And yet I don't feel we'll ever see that guy again. So I guess it was just <laughs> random that we happened to see that poster. <laughs> random. That's right. So the gang emerges from the woods that they've been in. They found the village. They're looking down on it. Aang tells Appa and Momo to kind of wait there. In fact, that they should maybe think about hiding. So we see Appa, quote unquote, hiding behind a very tiny bush. The gang puts on their disguises. Basically means that Katara and Sokka pull these kind of black cloaks out and raise the hoods. And then as we pan over to Aang, he's awkwardly pulled his own shirt and capelet over his head just to cover that blue arrow. And Sokka has some lovely Sokka sarcasm. Oh, it's like you're a whole different person. They, they head down. We see another person also cloaked, perhaps the one we saw before flitting away, looking at them from behind a tree. And then in the village, we see this kind of big torch at the center of the square. There's got the little red strings of light attaching to the buildings. It does look very festive. Now, I was like, I want to go to that festival. It did look fun, didn't it, Janet?
It looked like a Fire Nation good time. It looked like a Fire Nation fun time to me. It absolutely does. You know I totally own my love of a Fire Nation as well. The evening sky uh, is full of fireworks, also very cool. And Team Avatar is walking through the street. Everyone's wearing these very cool masks, so they're... Their sort of cloak disguises aren't actually they're making them stand out more than if they were wearing masks. So and then they also see this dragon, which really does look just like the amazing dragons that you would see in the Chinese New Year's parade that I would go to every year in San Francisco in, in Chinatown. It's really cool. You see a bunch of people running as a team carrying being this long dragon and, and Team Avatar is like, we need better disguises. And there so happens to be. A vendor right next to them selling masks. So Aang ends up with this kind of blue-faced, smiley mask uh, with a sort of sun or yellow mane behind it. Katara has a kind of a rosy-cheeked face. Thank you, thank you. And Sokka is like a red and yellow face that looks sort of surprised and distressed, which is great. What's crazy is they first had the mask on opposite. You know, like... Sokka has the, the, the like the bright happy mask on, and then I I, I felt the other mask was like kind of almost sad or something, mm-hmm. and then Ang was wearing that, and then Katara looks at him like Nah, you yeah. guys got to switch mask. Bam, yeah. a mask. Yeah. That's yeah. why you always got to roll with mask. Exactly the grumpy face. It was a gr- not sad face. It was yeah. a, you're right. Tim wrote this right. It's a grumpy face. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is why you need someone with fashion in the crew with you to make sure everyone's got the right drip on. Because if you got the wrong stuff on, it's going to confuse people. Your crew is not going to look right. That's right. She might mistake one for the other, even though there's a huge difference in height just by virtue of the masks not being the right fit. It would just be confusing for the audience, right? Exactly. exactly. That is actually a really good point, though. You're absolutely right. Like the process of the animators and, you know, drawing out the sketches and the storyboards and stuff. It is true that you want to still know who everyone is and sure they'll have their clothes on. But it is like, how do you put their face upon their face in just enough of a way that it still works? with what they're saying and stuff. That's a really good point. But also, Tim, like a moment like that's obviously not a, a, a plot moment, but it's a character moment. It's a very interesting thing. It's something that you would, you know, we would, as actors on camera, we would, we can improv something like that and be like, oh, that's so interesting. That's funny. Do you, I mean, how does that get ha- happen in animation? Or you guys just write it in there? It's like kind of strange, I, I think right? that probably in the script it was that Aang has a sad face mask, Sokka has a happy face mask, Katara switches them. And that's just like a sentence that's in there. And then right. a team of experts goes into action and researches, <laughs> you know, like Chinese opera masks or whatever that was, right. like no theater masks or whatever they based that on. I'm sure it was some incredibly detailed. But even that detail as a writer to write that in, it doesn't have anything to do with the plot point, but you're like, instead of just putting these masks on that automatically fit them, they grab the opposite mask. It's those little touches. It's a little touch that's like makes it Realer. That's almost like a share me the details moment. All right. So the gang has their masks on. Everybody's got a mask that fits them just right. And Sokka sees a food stand. Of course, he's going to snap up some of those flaming fire flakes. No surprise. They are extremely hot. And as Sokka is dealing with this moment where he is totally overwhelmed by the hotness of these fire flakes, we see Aang, who then is noticing this very cool puppet show the puppet show was based on this old english puppet show punch and judy right which used to be at these festivals and it was all to teach you about what's going on it was kind of like a newscast right which is the way that we play it don't worry loyal citizens no one can surprise the fire lord oh no 
little Lord Ozai propaganda. Exactly. Lord Ozai overlooks nothing. His propaganda department is at work nonstop. He's like, we need puppet shows everywhere. Please spread the word, the good Fire Lord <sighs> word great. through the puppet show. That's, That's great. Right. And it also got to know this... who's looking out for him. Yeah. It's, it sets us up so nicely for when we see the play in, you know, a later season, too. I think having that, the street performing yeah. element that we kind of return to, but in this larger, more sketched out way that's so funny. Yeah. It's again, the Fire uh, Nation, man. They have a great theater scene yeah. there. I mean, there's a lot of good, talented artists in the Fire Nation, man. A lot of talented, a lot of showmen out there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Tim, let's talk more about the Firebender puppet that we see. Take us in. It's the Fire Lord, who in puppet show scenario is the hero. And he reassures the faithful citizens that no one can surprise the Fire Lord. And there's an earthbender kind of bending a rock. It's going to hit him on the head. But the Fire Lord turns around and blasts him with fire. And the kids all cheer. And it's really exciting and fun. It's a nice moment for the kids, but not so nice for our heroes, who perhaps are scared of the Fire Lord. And then Aang is drawn by the crowd to a stage where a firebender performs beautiful, magical firebending. I've always been afraid of magicians, so this was Me kind too. of coming out of my childhood era. And, and they always I ask for it. volunteers, and I've been called on stage before. I really didn't like it. Really? Um, I like magicians. I hate clowns. Afraid of a clown. Traumatic birthday party when I was six, but I don't want to go into that too much, but only to say that's where this was coming from. They want to volunteer. Aang wants to volunteer because Aang wants to get a close-up view of firebending because that's what the episode's about, is Aang getting a firebending teacher. But the firebender says no. He takes Katara up there, and then Katara is kind of this princess in distress in this trick where he summons up a dragon, and the dragon is going to attack Katara. And it's very frightening to Aang. They really buy into this magic trick, by the way. They seem to instantly forget that they're on stage, and this is all magic. <laughs> like, they've never seen a magic show before. No. <laughs> I feel like Sokka could have maybe been like, hey guys, you know, this is just a trick, right? Yeah, yeah. No, they can't kill her on stage in front of yeah. everybody. We can give Katara the benefit of the doubt because it's so traumatic. I mean, speaking of, you know, uh, you, you, Tim, you and I relate to the not wanting to be pulled up from the audience and, and, and also a clown, not dissimilar. When you get attention paid on you by a performer that you're mm -hmm. not ready for, that's traumatic in and of itself Very sometimes. Then put on top of that, that there's a sense that like, there's some sort of reenaction of what happened to her own mother. You know what I mean? Like there true. is a dark undertone that's like, it's true. Oh, she does not need to be, you know, reminded of this in this like weird public way. So that's her true. fear makes it's triggering. Sense. Very fear. triggering. Very Aang's triggering. Fear is not, yeah. Fire yeah. coming at you. True. That's yeah. triggering. Yeah. yeah. Aang and taking it super seriously. Let's be honest. Aang is reckless. <laughs> all right. Well, he's got a big heart when he just is uh, so enthusiastic. You're all wanted posters, Billy the Kid. Stop being so dang reckless. <laughs> yeah. And they're surrounded by firebenders in a firebender town, and he's on a firebender stage with a firebender. He don't care. He Not don't care. Not a safe place for anybody. <laughs> he's reckless. The kid's reckless. So he hops up on stage. He blows up the dragon with his airbending, revealing himself to be the avatar to everyone in town. And then does a and it all turns to confetti too. The fire dance. turns to confetti. <laughs> yes, that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it really does blow it was the beautiful. trick for the guy. I do feel it for the magician. It turned to confetti. Yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. Yeah, the soft shoe. Ang doing his little soft shoe is <laughs> feels crazy. like a great classic comedy moment too. There's like something. It's like horrible. Gene Wilder and Young Frank. There's something about it that feels like that great. Oh, I see all angry eyes are on me. How about yeah. this? <laughs> now they've totally drawn attention to themselves, and the Fire Nations are headed for them. Right, D. So suddenly, the cloak figure calls them. Come with me. I can get you out of here. 
which at first I thought this was a guy in the poster. And I'm like, that doesn't look like the guy in the poster. Who's this dude? Looks like a surfer guy. It's true in that we have Fire the intermediary Nation. that maybe we don't. It's yeah. super confusing because you're like, that's not the dude on the poster. By that's a long how they shot. get you. That's how they get you. Right. And so they run past him, and he obscures them with a smoky firebomb when the fire soldiers come after. They're dashing through the narrow streets of the village, but the soldiers are hot on their trail. Aang's calling Appa with his trusty bison whistle, and the gang's forced to a dead end as the soldiers close in. Appa appears, and the gang escapes as the cloaked men fends off the soldiers. Appa ends up setting the big torch on fire, which the villagers love, and the gang's safe. As they fly away further from the village, they learn the guy who's been helping them is a former Fire Nation soldier named Che. Shout out to uh, voice actor John Kassir. Anyhow, we cut to them at the campfire as Che continues his story. He serves a legend, a deserter named Zhang Zhang. Very literal. <laughs> yes. He lives in a cave. So the legend goes, supposedly he's a high-ranking Fire Nation soldier, and he just couldn't take the madness anymore and left. Aang's excited all of a sudden. He's like, did he just find his new trainer, his fire-bending trainer? It turns out that's exactly what Che was thinking. So Sokka's incensed. Why does everyone keep doing stuff he says they shouldn't do? Suddenly the gang is surrounded by people with spears. Don't move. What if he was the deserter, but it was just that he loved desserts and <laughs> he made desserts available for everyone? Then it'd also be like Apocalypse Now with, with Marlon Brando. He loved desserts at that time. Oh, that's oh, true. Good point. Oh, bringing it all together. I all love together. it. Can we talk about Che real quick? Because his talk about voice. Che. Was he Dennis Hopper? Like, hey, man, you don't know what's going on, dude. We got, we're doing the revolution out He's here. genius, man. Because I'm like, what is this guy doing? I like yeah. to think of myself as kind of an easy rider, man. But this yeah. guy. Rider, <laughs> this guy. And then on the way out, they're flying out. And guess what? I'm going to throw some fire in those fireworks. Why not? This guy's crazy. He's, he's reckless, too. Yeah, but it's, it does, to your point, sets that big torch on fire that was that we saw in the square in the first place. It's a cool effect. There it's is a beautiful. lot of, like, the Fire Nation townspeople not knowing what's real and what's a trick, which is cool. What um, I like about the Fire Nation people is that the soldiers come and say, well, the crime was way down this year. Actually, we had a really great festival. Like, everyone really enjoyed <laughs> themselves there. So, Oh, yeah, that part was success. funny, too. That's right. <laughs> oh, they know how to know. spin it. They really know yeah. how to spin it. That's the, Crime's part of the problem. We had no fights. So now we are with the gang with Che as they're kind of being led through the night forest by these guys with the spears. A little share me the details moment. We see a very cool little glow-in-the-dark lizard or gecko in the foreground on a tree. I always like those little touches. These guys, now these guys know Che, so this is not like, these aren't people who have just come out of nowhere that don't know him. They fully know him, and he's a part of this group, but we find out he was specifically told by Zhang not to go find the Avatar, so Che is also in big trouble along with Team Avatar. They get to Zhang's small kind of hut by the riverside. Che has to go face him, which he is clearly very nervous about. And meanwhile, back at the village, the fire soldiers, as you guys pointed out, are trying to explain how they managed to lose the entire group. And uh, they're trying to sort of spin it and also account for what happened to everyone's favorite, very mean Fire Nation admiral. Zhao is... He's still on the hunt. He is going to track down the Avatar in his mind. He is going to chase them up the river. And Che, their word comes that, you know, listen, they are still after us. Trouble's on the way. Uh, he comes to tell uh, our buddies 
that they have to leave immediately and that Zhang Zhong is not going to teach Aang how to firebend. In fact, he can tell just by looking at Aang that he hasn't even mastered waterbending or earthbending yet. So he's far from ready to learn firebending. And Aang is like not hearing it. He's like, no, I'm stubborn. He's undeterred. He is going to go in there from being so far away from having a firebending teacher. He is now so, so close. He feels like I've got to take this chance. I think this is a scene that's in a lot of kung fu movies where you go find the master and immediately they're like, get out, beat it. You can't come here. I'm not going to teach you. And then yes. you just have to sit at the door and starve for right. a week before they, you know, open up the door and throw a broom at you. And you stay there for a year and you learn nothing. And and then after that, you know, Kung Fu. I'm not sure. I, I missed a lot of steps. But <laughs> well, like you that. missed the montage. It's a montage, Tim. Don't forget about that montage. And then something sticks. <gasps> That's right. Yeah, Tarantino pays tribute to that in, in Kill Bill, but we actually get to see some of Uma's training, a lot of Uma's training. So at least there's that. Yeah. You know, you got to pay your dues. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. So, Ang enters the hut, and a voice says, get out. Interestingly, Ang immediately addresses him as Master. Master, I need to learn firebending. Only a fool seeks his own destruction. I'm the Avatar. It's my destiny to- Destiny? What would a boy know of destiny? If a fish lives its whole life in this river, does he know the river's destiny? No! Only that it runs on and on, out of his control. He may follow where it flows, but he cannot see the end. He cannot imagine the ocean. This guy dropped so much knowledge. Yeah, he's given Uncle Iroh an, a run for his money in terms of he like is. beautiful yeah, kind of was... bone mo. And... Very poetic. Yeah. He's definitely more on points than Kurtz is in Apocalypse Now. And totally. he's like Iroh has dropped out of Fire Nation life. Like Iroh, he's sticking with Zuko just to kind of keep him safe. But he's the, kind of the same guy, right? He's the Dragon of the West. Yeah. He had this big assault on Bossing Say. He failed. He dropped out, and now he's hiding out because he's royal family. No one's going to come after yeah. him. But he's not really like doing his duty in the war anymore. He's no, definitely he's not really. Retired. And they even and that. they do. Yeah, they take him. I mean, they're Earthbenders, but they're excited to capture that right, former yeah. dragon of the West. Yeah, he's you a know? war criminal. That's true. We don't usually think of Iroh as a war criminal, but. He's definitely done some things. I mean, the pendulum yeah. swings. Sometimes you got to get to that Zen side because you did some stuff that was very unzen. Dragon yeah. of the West. I don't want to talk about it, but I'm sure some things went down that we're all not proud of. Yeah, and that's what's so great about seeing the image of Zhang Zhang versus Iroh, where you see where trauma in the Fire Nation, even from your own deeds, can lead to being more humble, being more Zen. I mean, their principles are so much the same, but Iroh is choosing to live with small joys and sort of connect with the things in life that are meaningful that, you know, he's chosen to focus on. And then Zhang Zhang has taken all of the stuff that's happened to him and just let it fester, right? And and it's just eating him up inside. But, but they almost could be, each one could have gone the other's direction, right? right? Yes. Possible spoilers. 
coming up with John John and I shadow report for shadow together in the future. We'll see. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So he calls a master, which is like, I love that. That Ang says it's his duty to master the elements. And Jung says, first, he has to master discipline itself. Oh, don't we all? He keeps denying Ang, and Jung Jung is clearly getting angry, but he's totally making sense. And he compares earth and water to fire and talks about how damaging fire is. Obviously, he has very mixed feelings about firebending, really about his own identity as a firebender. He's totally torn about this. And he says, Ang, you're not ready. He wants to kick him out. And then all the candles surrounding him jump high up in the air, and it's totally dark, and a lone candle burns. And then Zhang is kneeling before the candle next to a tree, and Avatar Roku stands before him. You think I am weak? Avatar Roku? No, no, I did not mean that. I have mastered the elements a thousand times in a thousand lifetimes. Now I must do it once again. You will teach the Avatar firebending. Yes, yes, I will teach you. Really? That's great! And the question, is he really there? Is this a vision right. that Zhang Zhang it's, is having? It's very what interesting. Tim, what had happened? There was a big Roku flex in that moment. Roku yeah. came in and flexed on him. Roku However, does, pop out of there. And Aang doesn't really realize what's happening. No. So there's some Fire Nation energy here since we're back in Roku's hometown, right? That he's like bursting out a little bit. Oh, because by the end of the episode, we know it doesn't seem that is going to be where Aang gets his firebending. Right. Well, he does Knowledge. learn some firebending, though. He does true. firebend there. So Zhang Zhang does teach him that. And Roku's it sets like, Aang on this I course. want you to teach him firebending for one day. <laughs> <laughs> teach him firebending, but be terrible at Crash it. course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what so, happened, Tim? Was, was he there or not? What is real? You know? Is he oh, there? No. Is he not there? If John believes that, <laughs> it happened. You know what I do love, Tim, in this one, he's in this scene when he's talking about the firebending as opposed to the water and the earth, he's saying, you have to have discipline because the fire, even without you bending it, continues to eat up and ravage. I never thought of fire bending in that way. Like, you, you know, the, they move the water. The water is one thing. Earth is one thing. But the fire, once it's lit, it yeah, it, it bends on its own. Yeah. And it goes. And if you don't have discipline, then it will ravage everything, including you. And I, that right. was really. That's a great. Yeah. It's just such it a great It was writing. great. Did you it's write a It's a real great, great writing. Thing. Great writing, too. I like that. That was good. That yeah. was real good. Too. It's uncomfortable having the writer here. It turns out because we just want to fawn all over you because the writer. I'm so just saying, great. No one but, ever. But particularly like this well. episode, things stood out to me, and I don't know if it's just the Fire Nation stuff I was listening to and the fire bending, but I was like, oh, good point, good point. So what happens the next day, Bosco? In your precious Fire Nation. So, so the next day, you guys, Jung works with Aang. Now concentrate. Good. Good. Wait, what do I do now? Silence! Talking is not concentrating. Look at your friend. Is she talking? Even that oaf knows to concentrate on what he's doing. Hey, but what am I concentrating on? Feel the heat of the sun. It is the greatest source of fire, yet it is in complete balance with nature. So when do I get to make some fire? Concentrate! For his next lesson, they head to the top of a mountain where Aang must focus on his breath control. We see the breathing and the fire bending stance, and, and, and he learns how to breathe. You brought me up here to breathe? Assume your stance. Wider. 
You're not even looking. Wider! Now inhale through the nose and exhale through the mouth without talking. Good. Later, Aang returns to the hut. He decides to leave the breathing exercise on his own. Aang is super impatient. I already know how to squat and breathe and feel the sun. I want to know how to shoot fire out of my fingertips. <sighs> I had a pupil once who had no interest in learning discipline. He was only concerned with the power of fire, how he could use it to destroy his opponents and wipe out the obstacles in his path. But fire is a horrible burden to bear. As Jung Jung describes the nameless pupil, we're looking back at Zhao and as he scans the banks for any sign of Aang. You know, you know now he's kind of reminding you of someone else. I don't know, like, searching for the Avatar gets these firebenders, Zuko included, start going crazy. There's a little bit of Gollum in there, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like they're chasing. Oh, now Zhao yeah. was talking all this trash about young Zuko, like, what are you doing? And now he's like on that fever. He's on that let's catch the avatar fever. And now they're both firebending feverishly on ships, which is not a great idea. Uh-huh, which, never great. For a shadow report, we're yeah. going to see what firebending on ships does a little later on the episode. Yeah. It's so true, though. I think we get a sense of that from the very beginning when Zuko finds out that Aang's a little boy. It's like the sort of bossy slash powerful slash they use their power to get what they want people like Zhao and also like Zuko at this point in his life. How infuriating that it's this little boy who barely like does anything offensive. It's all defense. He's just getting out of the way. Like you're asking why it makes them crazy. I think that's a big part of it, right? Is this sense of like, how dare this tiny imp be able to continually escape. And he's not even this mighty old big dude who's like, throwing all this power back at me and I can't resist it. Like, he continues to just play defense. And I think it's that thing where, you know, you're really mad at someone and someone's like, it's good, dude. Like, blessings to you, man. I'm not mad at you. And you're like, I'm even more angry now. Just like you were saying, the fire continues. If the fire doesn't have anywhere to go, it's just going to burn you up instead. Oh, such great writing, Tim. There's a lot of toxic up, but you're masculinity yeah. in this. Come on. You know? that's, that's true. There's a lot of that's toxic true. masculinity in this situation. <laughs> to put a modern lens sure. on it, that is very uh, true. The culture. So- <laughs> I, in this part, though, I do have to say, I really enjoyed this moment where he says, even this oaf knows to concentrate. And Sokka's like, Hey, even when, you know, they're complimenting Sokka, he's still getting slapped. I know, he's barely important in this episode. And then it's just like insults from afar. Poor Sokka. I mean, you gotta give up. Sokka rolls with all the benders. He's like the non-bending dude rolling with all the benders. Like, what are you gonna do if all your homies are superheroes, but you're like the non-superpower friend? But he holds his own, so we gotta give up to Sokka. Always. Love him. Love him. Okay, so we're back with Zhang Zhang. When he next leaves his hut, we see that Aang is in Lotus position, and he's very much taken on this uh, position of humility because he has been very much schooled by Zhang Zhang about not listening to him, you know? So we think, like, oh, maybe Aang is getting the picture. Like, he it does need to be deferential. He does need to respect his master. He does need to learn firebending the right way. And so... Zhang Zhang sets a single leaf, kind of a sizzling, and uh, tells Aang to keep the edges from burning as long as he can. So it's really an exercise in restraint. But also it reminded me of like when you would burn leaves in science, like going outside and being like, oh, look, this is how a magnifying glass works with 
the sun. So we're getting the feels of these sort of early experiences that we have with fire. Aang has this leaf. He's not supposed to let it reach the edges. That's not exactly the drama right, that Aang was hoping for when it comes to firebending. And then when one of Zhang Zhan's sort of soldiers tell him there's trouble and they need him and he's got to leave, they leave Aang with Katara. And, you know, we see Aang's frustration again with this leaf. He's just got his really great stubborn face as he's trying to do as instructed. We can all relate. That half-hearted, like, yeah, I'll practice. For me, it's like, I'll practice guitar. Yeah, I'll practice. And just sort of whatever the stubborn version of almost not doing that is. And in fact, he's now, it becomes clear, like, in fact, he may be trying to do the exact opposite because suddenly the leaf explodes into flame. Definitely not what he was supposed to let happen, but Aang's excited, right? I mean, he created this little fireball. He's bragging, he wants Katara to know, of course, he's going to turn to his friend and crush Katara to show off what he's just done. It's a big, exciting moment. It just wasn't supposed to happen yet. I did it! I made fire! Aang, that's great, but you should take it slow. Look, careful! Ah! And he's even kind of like drunk on this power. And we see him do this thing. And by the way, this makes me feel a little better when everyone hates on Korra for being so reckless. I like these moments that Aang has because it is a nice reminder that they are one and the same person. I want to see more reckless Aang. I want to see more reckless firebending Aang. He does some damage when he gets reckless. He creates this huge flame. Katara's like, don't do it. What's happening? And he sends it into the air. It fully burns Katara's hand. She's screaming. Ah. It is a serious, awful moment. It's horrifying. Too hot to handle. Literally too hot to handle. Literally too hot to handle. Aang himself realizes what's happened. He's horrified. Sokka is furious. You burned my sister. Come on! And this is on the short on the heels of Aang and Bato of the Water Tribe. And like he just earned their trust back. So the fact that he immediately is now burning Katara right after they like took him back into the fold and made him feel like family. This is not, these are a couple of really tough episodes for Aang. You burned my sister! I'd forgotten how much Sokka yells at Aang in the show. I know, (laughs) Sokka. Well, he's like a younger guy to Sokka, so Sokka feels he can, you know, every now and then. He needs yeah. it. You know, Somebody's got to yell at this kid. He don't burned Katara. He got someone yeah, has to. It doesn't matter if you're a superstar. Guess what? You messed up. We get yelled yeah. at a little bit. And remember, Aang did the also, same thing with their supplies. Like in when he was learning to waterbend. Exactly. Yeah. It reminded me when Katara got hit. I didn't know her hands got burned. I thought I was going to come back and she had no eyebrows left. Big shout out to Keone Young, who voiced Zhang Zhang. What an awesome job. Again, just great words with a great voice, great character. What's going on now? Sokka confronts Aang as Zhang Zhang returns. He tells him to pack and leave immediately. Aang keeps apologizing, but to no avail. And Katara is in terrible pain. God, her hands are notably We really burned. see. Like, yeah, yikes. Scorched. But when she puts them in the water, they start to glow. And when she pulls them out, they're healed. This is an amazing part. And I have to say that I don't think this. I came up with this. I think this is something that they had come up with before the episode. And when we were working on the episode, they were like, aha, this would be a great time to introduce Katara. Being you, you, you can take the credit, Tim. We're not going to tell anybody. There. Just take the credit, Tim. Just take it. <laughs> I just, you, know? you know, I want people to I'm know. Say Tim Hedrick is the water bending hiller. He's the one. <laughs> it's not true. But it's cool, it's right? I mean, it's, Very uh, cool. it's so cool. 
And Zhang Zhang is watching, and he just is like, oh, you're a healer. He kind of lets us in on, on what this is all about, because we don't know. And it's this power that he is really jealous of, because he's so torn up about the destructive nature of fire, as we just saw. And he says, firebending forces them to walk a razor's edge between humanity and savagery. Which I is like it. I liked it. That darkness. was heavy. I yeah. love that. Nothing like a little razor's edge in there. Razor's so edge. Speak, the Fire Nation riverboats appear, and they start shooting fireballs. And Zhang Zhang sends Katara running away, and he prepares to defend uh, the kids while they can have time to escape. And then there's an awesome stare down, and it's the old the student meets master moment, and these two are going to stare each other down. And he tells his men that basically it's not going to be a problem because Zhang Zhang stopped fighting long ago. He's a coward. He's a loser. He's mm -hmm. just calling him out. Zhao mm Zhao, -hmm. shame on you. Zhao Zhao. Zhao Zhao. Oh, Zhao Zhao. <laughs> Maybe Mrs. Zhao calls him that. I know, Zhao Zhao. I like that name. So Katara goes to find Aang, who's in Zhang Zhang's hut, despondent. I'm never going to firebend again. You'll have to eventually. No, never again. It's okay, Aang. I'm healed. What? How? I'll explain later. But right now, we have to get out of here. Zhao and his soldiers are attacking. Zhang Zhang tells them they should go, and the Avatar has immense raw firebending power, the likes of which he's never seen. This is clearly a dig at his former student, Zhao, mm -hmm. who orders the men to take the deserter. But Zhang creates a massive ball of flame around himself and disappears. The men go and try to find him. Zhao and Aang are now facing off. Zhao hurls fire at Aang, who uses airbending to deflect. There's fire everywhere. Aang realizes this is the student that Zhang was talking about, the one with no self-control. And then Aang gets an idea, goading Zhao into yet further reckless firebending, playing on his emotions. Aang heads to the riverboat and wags his butt at Zhao. <laughs> Ahoy! I'm Admiral Zhao! Who sets all the boats afire. <laughs> Some good Aang as a trickster behavior here with the strategy, and then Aang tells him he's lost. He looks back at his destruction and realizes, but all that just makes him angrier. Aang rejoins Appa, Katara, Sokka, and Momo, and they fly off. Aang asks where Zhang Zhang is, and Sokka said, he's disappeared. They all did. Yeah, we see Che not being able to find anyone. We kind of had this moment again with Zhao Zhao, as we like to call him. Zhao Zhao is seething. And then we're on Appa with the gang, and Katara goes and, and heals Aang's burn with her water. So everybody kind of gets a chance to see what happens. Sokka, never one to miss an opportunity to feel sorry for himself, is <laughs> like, when did you learn how to do that? And Katara says, I I guess I always knew. And Sokka's response is, oh, well, then thanks for all the first aid over the years. Like when I <laughs> fell into the greaseberry bramble that time, I had two fish hooks in my thumb. And the conversation continues as we hear why he had two fish hooks in his thumb because he tried <laughs> to use one to get the other out. And yeah, it made you know, sense we got a mink fight. It made sense at the time. <laughs> and uh, Appa's flying them into the clouds. And that is the end of the episode. <laughs> Attention weary, hungry Earth Kingdom travelers! Are you heading to a fire festival but aren't a fan of spicy foods? Then make sure you stop for a treat at the Deserter Cafe! We've got everything for your sweet tooth, from bean curd puffs to gooey-centered cakes. The Deserter is the one place you'll never want to leave. Get it?
you pay tribute to some of the most beloved stories in history with Heart of Darkness, with Apocalypse Now being a modern interpretation of that. This is even more modern than Apocalypse Now. And we talked about this idea of like this responsibility that you have when you have these powers and the responsibility of being a healer if you have these healing properties as a waterbender like Katara has discovered in herself. And I just love the sort of questions that raises for hopefully all of us about, you know, when should we use strength and force? When should we use right. it in compassion? That all about the balance. If you wanted to have someone watch an episode of Avatar in book one and say, what is this show? Like, what's it all about? Why does everyone love the show so much? I think you could show them this episode and people would be like, oh, I, I get it. Like, yeah, I get you've it. got some heavy philosophy. You've got some fighting. You've got butt waggling. You've got it all, all, right. all the elements. Fire. <laughs> Some soft chew puppets. Not a lot of Zuko, Tim. Oh, that's good true. Point. That's true. Not yeah. a lot of Zuko. <laughs> Although, well, this leads me to another question I want to ask you real quick, because you mentioned earlier, like, people were saying this and that about the show. Of course, now we hear it from Twitter, from Instagram, Reddit. We, we hear all the, the backlash or the compliments of the things we do instantly. Mm -hmm. How are we getting it back in those days before the, it was the interwebs? It was like just the beginning. And I don't think at this point I was around enough for us to be digging in to the Internet's response. But the chat rooms had just begun. Chat rooms. And so there was chat room drama going the on. chat rooms are aflame and the chat rooms uh, are aflame yeah and that is where we actually learned the term shipping which yeah. as i recall no one in the writer's room at the time knew what that meant and we were like what is this shipping what are they talking about shipping this i too so had no bizarre. clue at the beginning and, of all this. yeah so that's when we first heard of them and then we we're instantly engaged yeah but i don't think we got a lot of it wasn't like you know, Twitter now, where you'll just get annihilated by a bunch of people for something. It was more gentle. They were fans. They were talking yeah. about the show. You know, it wasn't, It was. they weren't killing It is us. very fascinating to make art and to make shows and to make films in an era where the, there's instant response to what you did. I mean, growing up, you know, I grew up in traditional media too. Where, I mean, I'd get a bag of fan mail from something you did from fans. that it, Someone from Germany wrote a letter to you two months ago that right. finally gets to you and cool whatever now it's like oh don't open your phone <laughs> there could be a lot of stuff going on there you don't want to uh read <laughs> or you may want to or um, yeah. i don't know it's just a different times it's scary yeah. almost to make art well the other thing that was interesting then which i guess i haven't done recently is you're checking the ratings all the time like mm. every week a new episode comes out and you're like, oh, what did we get? You know, you're looking on Monday or right. sure. whatever it was just to like see how the show was doing, you know? And yeah. and there was always a question, are, are we going to get to make more? You know, it wasn't yeah, like right. preordained that we'd like to get all the way through. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure, for sure. We already talked about animals and we talked about, I think we can't, you know, we're not going to top you having the sheer shoe idea. So let's roll into most valuable bending moments, most valuable yes. non-bending moments. What do you guys think? I mean, there's a lot of bending mm -hmm. that happens in this episode. What's popping up for you? Well, I think that, you know, Katara's discovery of healing is probably the most important it's a big thing deal. that happens. You're right. right. That's a big deal. Yeah. Hands because down, it's you the reveal of how powerful she is. And she goes on like a huge journey throughout the show of right. discovering all the kinds of water bending, you know, good and evil. 
Yes. And, yeah. Uh, so but I love the poetry you wrote in there that the water could, you know, could it could heal and the fire doesn't necessarily heal. I mean, they both everything can have destruction, but the fact that water can also heal is, you know, very But fire heals. Beautiful. If like, right. you pull a muscle, you want to heat it up or, you know, there's so much about Jung Jung's not looking at it like that. Jung Jung's no, not looking at that. Jung Jung's yeah. like, he's, he's forgotten he's, how to see it that way. He just yeah, can't even see it that he's way. He's traumatized very, it's tragic. by things. It's he tragic. forgets that we cook with fire, John. We cook. How about cooking, John? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's give yeah, some love right, to the chefs We never really there. see, like, any Fire Nation healers. It does seem like some nice heat massage could really... Heat uh, massage could be some good. Some hot rocks, you know? Hot some rocks. Kind of steamy exactly. aromatherapy, all that stuff. Exactly. Right? I, the, I mean, look, Iroh makes a wonderful hot spring for himself uh, in oh, an early true. episode. And that's yes, very good for you. So hot he's tubbing. figured it out. He's in there. I can't get that loincloth out of my mind. I can't get him in a loincloth. <laughs> out of my mind that's right right. yeah i i I love that tim i think yes to katara's healing ability i think that's fantastic i think you're right you're right yeah right we all agree on that what about most valuable non-bending i mean Hmm. even though we've talked about all the ways in which zhang zhang is out of balance and he's only focusing on the negative stuff which is such a reflection of self-loathing too like when we know the qualities we have when we feel like beating ourselves up we can take everything about ourselves and turn that into faults and turn it into weakness and turn it into a thing to beat ourselves up with because we all have qualities that maybe aren't as ideal but he's just turned his back on all of the positive stuff that being said we have talked about all the kind of wisdom that he drops in this episode. How that's not you? bending. That's just True. stuff that makes you think and reflect. So I think I would vote for the stuff that he says that's valuable, even if he's not 100% yeah, in balance. I would say it's his waxing poetic of, you know, of the elements and, and the good and bad of it all. Yeah. I, it well, made me rethink and look at the, the bending in a different way. I think it a lot of people made it them think about it over the years yeah. in a different way he is the title character he's the deserter right and so he probably the desserts. most oh, valuable non-bending thing he did was leave he leaves the fire nation. he kind of like uh-huh. sets uh-huh. up this idea that you don't have to follow orders you know you don't have to stay with this negative that's, influence you can leave that's you why can you're the get back yes that's yeah. why back to you're the writer tim Love it. And that's great. Some other characters will learn from that in the future. That's a really good point. You can just lay the groundwork. Yeah, you can you don't have to be there. You could have left. You can walk away. Yeah. You could walk. Sometimes we don't see the exit. Sometimes we don't see that as a possibility in the situations we're in, Tim. Now we're in therapy. We're back in therapy again, (laughs) guys. A lot of these Fire Nation soldiers are gonna say, I was just following orders, but there's another Mm -hmm. option. Another mm-hmm. option. Exactly. You didn't have to be there. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Go off I love into it. Into the jungle. Yeah. Exactly. We do have to ask you a couple of key questions. You already touched on one of them just mere moments ago when you happened to mention how you found out about a little thing we like to call shipping. <laughs> do yes. you have any ships? Give us some you? ships. Give us some ship. Some fills. Give us some shipping fills here, Tim. I always enjoyed the romance of Sokka and Suki. And yeah. it's just yes. so, you know, it's, it's nice. I, you know, great. because I feel like Sokka, you know, he has a rough time when he starts dating the moon, but he has a relationship that works out for him too. Very you rough. Know? So yeah, Sokka you needs know. some love, you know? Yeah. I like that. I love Suki. I like that. And I love Suki. She's so powerful. Yeah, it just works out. Cute. You just feel good about it. It's like, yeah, these two, they're yeah. all right. 
Yeah. No drama. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what about, you know, the other big question? Yeah. If you can bend, if you were Mm -hmm. a bender in this world, Tim, what element? I think that I I would bend water. I think I'm a water bender. 75% of the earth is water. So you've got a numerical advantage right there. You know, 75% (laughs) of our bodies is water. So it's You're just, right. it's, it feels more holistic. It, to me, You're it's right. more connected yeah. wherever you are. You've got your yeah. You're right. You're not wrong. Plus, it just feels like it's got a more gentle flow, you know? Gentle hills. There's healing attributes to the whole situation. Yeah, you just hang out at the beach, you know? Feels like maybe you could do some long distance surfing or something. There are worse things. I know. Is, don't you find it very uh, interesting that, you know, me and my Fire Nation folk, we, we tend to be on the water a lot. What are we doing on the water? Yeah. I mean, oh, you guys, you tracks. can't. It's because it makes you crazy that you can't conquer the water and you just try to get out there and cover as much territory like, you as know you what, can. You know what's a good idea but for you're us attracted as firemen? Opposite. Let's surround ourselves with water. Let's just be in the middle of yeah. the ocean. That's a great idea. I think no, that's it's not, a, my friend. I think that's a sign of a good thing, which is that maybe these the Fire Nation, as a sort of unit, there's some recognition, even with right. Ozai reigning supreme, that it's about being a seeker and maybe it's about it being attracted be to the thing that's at, you're out of that's out of balance for you. It could be full-on overwhelmed ego delusions of grandeur that we think we can either conquer the ocean. Mm. Well, we I mean, when you think nation. about things in geologic time, right, the the surface of the earth is totally covered with water, and then fire thrusts these islands out to create the land yeah. where, the, the, where core. the fire nation comes from. Yeah. They call it the Big Bang. They don't call it the Big Splash. I know. I mean, look, there's a lot of Earth Kingdom out there. It's all Earth. There's a lot of water covering the Earth. Yes, you know, and wind blowing around it. But the core of that Earth, Tim, what's mm. that core it's of that Earth? red, hot, and molten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The fire in there. <laughs> I am so happy with this episode from start to finish, especially what just happened. I love this. You guys, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you would like people to be aware of, follow you? Well, I've been working on a show that's a Fast and Furious show that's on Netflix. Fast and Furious Spy Racers, a new season I hope is coming out at some point. So keep an eye out for that. I think an Avatar fan will enjoy it. A hundred percent. I think that's right. I'm on Twitter, but I don't say much. Great. So (laughs) healthy. Like much like that. Just kind of drop. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. You two have lit up my week with your molten cores. So thank you, thank you. And everybody, we will talk to you next time on See you next time. Podcast. Thank you so much, Tim. So much fun hanging out. Next week, we'll be returning to a big picture discussion on key Avatar themes with none other than Avatar superfan and anime expert Cheyenne Uwulu. Follow us on social media. I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter, at the JV Club on Instagram. You are at Dante Bosco basically everywhere, Everywhere, right? except for on TikTok, at Dante. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose 
at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.